The man ray is a kind of poisonous jellyfish, and it lives in the Gulf of Mexico. Aha! It's very deadly. Are your kids as well-rounded as they could be? Kids who participate in the arts do better in school and in life. To learn more about the value of arts education, visit americansforthearts.org. Because all kids should get to appreciate Tchaikovsky's music, Martha Graham's dance, and Man Ray's photography. Art. Ask for more. A public service message brought to you by Americans for the Arts and the Ad Council. You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. Welcome to Radio's finest program of positive talk and life coaching. Star style, be the star you are. My name is Cynthia Bryan. Are the and, Success Sisters? And we are the Success Sisters. So get ready to pump your energy. Love, learn, laugh, listen, and live your dreams through books and media because we are a show about following your heart. We want you to live your dreams. We call it Champagne for the Spirit. It's brought to you by Be the Star You Are, a nonprofit corporation and produced by Star Style Productions. Well, in today's show, the success sisters, Libby Gill, our wonderful life coach, and I are in the coaching corner again in our first segment, and we're going to show you how to lighten up and to reframe. In segment two, you're going to meet the two grand prize winners in the Be the Star You Are National Essay Contest, Sylvia DeSantis and Nancy Wick, and they have some wonderful essays. And in our third segment, we're going to get hip and tranquil at the same time with Kimberly Wilson as she guides us through life and on and off the yoga mat with her book, Hip Tranquil Chick. Our purpose in providing you this show is to communicate to you that you already possess everything you need to be the writer, the producer, the director, and the star of your own life. And, of course, my motto is to be a leader, you must be a reader. So we want you to sit back, enjoy the show. Now, the Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by our life coach, Libby Gill. For more information about booking your personal session, contact www.libbygill.com. Within you right now is the power to do things you never dreamed possible. And this power becomes available to you just as soon as you can change your beliefs. And that was from Dr. Maxwell Maltz, who was an author, 1899 to 1995. And isn't that the truth, is that we do have the power, as we said, everything you need to be the writer, producer, and the star of your own life is within you. 
Well, we're going to do something a little bit different today in the coaching corner because Libby has an exercise that she wants to put me through. Oh, my God. <laughs> and you guys get to do it with us. So join uh, Libby and I, the Success Sisters, and we're going to just start right now giving you some good tips on coaching. Right. So we want everybody to get a pen and a piece of paper so that they can work right along with you, Cynthia, while you do this exercise. Oh, boy. Okay, Libby, I'm ready. <laughs> okay, well, we'll get to that in a minute. But first, we're going to talk a little bit about unloading your baggage and what that really means. And i got to tell you, I've got a coaching client, and, and like you, Cynthia, a lot of clients become close friends. And one of my friends and clients is this fabulous woman. Her name is Sharon Bates, and she's got a nonprofit organization in Phoenix called the Anthony Bates Foundation, and they screen kids for undetected heart problems. Mm. Yeah, it's an amazing like an group. And, and Sharon yeah. recently went to Rome to present a paper at a cardiology conference. Now, her presentation was a huge success. She came back just thrilled with it, but she admitted to me that she had one, made one giant mistake. And can you imagine what that was? No. Too much baggage. Oh, yeah, too much baggage. That sounds familiar. I, you know, that sounds like me. Yeah, well, there you go. it all, right? Yeah, running down these little cobblestone streets in her high heels, lugging these three giant suitcases. And it was just miserable, so she vowed never again to do that. So, you know, whether you're lugging suitcases behind you, figuratively or literally, um, it's really time to think about how much you want to lighten up your load. Well, how can we really lighten it up? I mean, you know, we all have baggage, whether it be um, the baggage in our suitcase or the baggage that we're carrying around from our past lives, basically. So I guess we have to really commit to lightening up is the first step. Absolutely. That is the first success step is really make that conscious decision. Decide, I'm going to let go of some of this old stuff that's been dictating my life or that it's been coloring my decision-making, and I'm going to let it go and decide that I don't need all this stuff any longer, just like you don't need all that stuff in your home or in your suitcases. But sometimes, Libby, don't people replace the stuff with something else? <laughs> Uh, frequently, or or they hang on to stuff so long that it just becomes a part of their being. But what happens is they begin to use that as an excuse. That baggage of the past becomes their excuse in the present for not making changes or not taking risks or not moving forward. Yeah, and that's dangerous when you start making excuses for something. That's probably something that's important to notice. If you start making excuses for why you cannot do something or be something, you better take a look inside. Yeah, absolutely. And and what happens is we sort of work around it. Like um, uh, you said the other day about not letting that rock in your shoe, taking it out instead of learning to limp with it. And it's the same kind of thing. You you learn to accommodate to this baggage. And sometimes people cling to their baggage for so long that nobody in their life wants to hear about it any longer. You know those people? They We all know those people, don't we, that they call and they talk about the rotten relationship and how they dislike their husband or boyfriend, but yet they never do anything about it. Exactly, exactly. And you just want to kind of say, you know, put up or shut up. It's time to do something or let it go. And as coaches, I mean, this happens a lot. We hear from people when nobody else wants to talk to them any longer. And I had a woman who came to me a while back and, and sort of under the guise of wanting to, to talk about a career transition. But the truth is she had worn out her welcome with her, with her husband, with her friends, because she had been whining about her boss for, get this, 20 years. No way. Same job, 20 Same years. Job. She was 
still in the same bo- in the same job, Libby? Yes, same job, same, same job. Boss. And she, but she would whine about her boss. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and, and clearly, after twenty years, and you not know changing, the boss, not doing anything to change it. Right. He's not going to change. You're not going to change. And the way she justified this when I asked her about it, you know, why don't you just leave? No, it's a really good job. There are all these reasons she wanted to stay, which are fine. Why don't you just make the peace with it and get over it? Um, she didn't quite get that, but what she told me was she had grown up in an alcoholic household, and you know, many of us have dealt with that, and that she had become, this is her own definition, she'd become a people pleaser because that had taught her how to keep the peace and just get by. Mm-hmm. And that became, that's something that many, many people deal with, is yeah. trying to get along. But, but that she allowed that to limit her. It wasn't getting along in a, in a rational or positive way. What, what it really meant was ignoring what was bothering her and then taking it out on other people around her, and that wasn't right. It wasn't productive. So what she'd done is she had let that baggage of the past become her excuse, and she had named it. She had claimed that, that label proudly, I am a people pleaser, therefore... I don't have to do anything except try to make other people happy and then go and complain about it to everybody else in my life. And that's true. You know, and when you really think about that, Libby, it's not being a people pleaser because that's being a blamer and a complainer. Absolutely. And nobody wants that, which that doesn't please people. So she was getting nowhere. She was on a vicious circle. Right. So, and, and if you look back and you think about those labels, those what I call your, your baggage tags that we all live with, sometimes it's true. Sometimes they do get slapped on you in childhood by a parent when you're older, it could be a spouse or a boyfriend or a boss, but it's up to us to decide if we want to own those names. Are we? Well, gonna... and it also means you don't. Yes, you don't have to own them, and you don't have to stay with them for the rest of your life. If anybody wants to change, it's up to us to change. We cannot change anybody else ever. We have to change first. Absolutely. So. Success step number one is you commit to this process. You decide you want to lighten up. And then the second step is not to use the baggage of the past as an excuse for your behavior in the present. So commit to lighten up is success step number one. And success step number two, don't use the baggage of the past as your excuse in the present. It's like let it go, move on, do something new. Let it go, move on, exactly. So now what we're going to do, we're going to try this exercise now, Cynthia, if you're up for it. You game for an exercise? I'm always game for I'm game for anything. I'm okay. always game. Because, because I don't care whether I make a mistake. Well, no, there really aren't any mistakes. It's really about just looking at who you are okay. and looking at the labels of the past and the labels of the present. And then what we're going to do is take these negative labels and you're going to tag your baggage. Just like if, if you were putting a luggage tag on your suitcase, you know, and you were writing Cynthia Bryan on it, this is going to be the, the tag that either you've stuck yourself with, because sometimes we do it to ourselves, or that other people have used to identify you. And then what we're going to do is we're going to take that little baggage tag, whatever it says on it, and we'll figure that out in a minute. We're just going to flip that over and reframe it in a more positive way. All right. Okay? So I'm going to read you through a list of of baggage tags, of labels. And I want you just to say, and everybody at home, everybody who's listening, should be doing this as well, and you can write down which of these names sound like you. And this is how you're tagging your baggage and just owning it if this is you. And then we're going to deal with how you reframe it in just a minute. So I'm going to read these out, and then I'm going to ask you to add some of your own if I've left anything out. Okay, first of all, and you just tell me if this sounds like you anywhere. Okay. Picky? I can be picky, yes. Okay, well, circle that one or write that one down. All right, I've got it circled. Mean? No. Okay, no. Aggressive? Yes. Yes, okay, I'd buy that one for me, too. Yes. Stupid? Uh, um, no, I don't think so. No, I, I would be silly. That. 
And by the way, I have to tell you that all of these labels and some that were far too harsh for me to mention on the air, these came to me by doing workshops and people telling me these we, these are my childhood texts. These are these what are I got. Actually, names that people think of. Uh, you know, and I have lots of people that they were called stupid when they were growing oh, sure. up, and that's a real that's a hard one. Yeah. Okay, loner. Yes. Loner, you can be a loner. Moody. No. Okay. Scared. No. Loser. No. Fat. No. That was my childhood name. I was the chubby kid with the rosy cheeks. Oh, and that's so, isn't that, that's a hard one to overcome. Oh, it killed me. Yeah, that's a tough one. Spoiled. No. Timid. No. (laughs) Me? No, no, I didn't think that was That would be a hard one. No. That's for the listeners. That's not for you. Yeah, that one one wouldn't be for me. Needy. No. Shy. No. I guess that's a little like timid, isn't it? Yes, a little bit. Pathetic. No. Okay. Maybe this one. Obsessive? Oh, yes. That one could be me. Okay. I think I might have added that one. I could definitely be obsessive. Smart aleck. Sometimes. Yeah, let's go for it. I could be a smart aleck. I had a little of that one as a kid. That was definitely one of my tags. Self-involved. I can be self-involved, yes. Yep, I think we all can. Angry. Uh, sometimes. Okay. Well, you are Italian. I'm. I don't know if that. I'm goes Italian, and Italians. Yeah, we've got that fiery. We have that. We can have that fiery temper. Stingy. No. Ugly. Sometimes. And sometimes that's another one that people get hit with as kids, and it can stick for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Skinny. My mom had, was actually hit with that one, Libby. So that was an interesting one. She grew up thinking she was ugly. And I bet she wasn't at all. Well, you know, it's interesting when you say that. She would say, growing up, she would say to us, you are so fortunate to have your dad. He's such a handsome man. You know, with me, I was so ugly. And then everyone would say, and you look just like her. (laughs) So I would say, Mom, if you're ugly, then I must be ugly, and I feel beautiful. So it was an interesting way how she came around to feeling her beauty because she saw me in her. Isn't that interesting? That's lovely. So, okay. um, Jenny? Skinny, no. <laughs> no. I haven't had that problem. Um, lazy. No. Slow. No. Reckless. Yes. Okay. Untalented. Mm, no. Okay. Selfish. Yes. Selfish. Okay. How about controlling? Yes. Useless. No. Bossy. Uh, bassy? Bossy. Bossy. Oh, like absolutely. the boss. You got to be in boss. charge. Okay, absolutely. Okay. Oh, I've got. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I have ten things circled. And that's not uncommon. And now, what I want you to do is just sort of look at that list. And everybody who's listening, look at your list. And some of these may be true, or there may be an element of truth. Some of them probably aren't true at all. So, but they came from somewhere, either from somebody else's perspective or from some little nugget of. of a part of your personality, and that, that label grew out of there. So what we're going to do is look at these and really reframe them. So if you had said, for example, that you were spoiled, which you didn't say, but if you were spoiled, maybe it's not that you're spoiled, but that you pay attention to uh, your self-care, you take care of yourself, you take pride in your appearance, something like that. Yeah, you take care, you do what you need for yourself so that you can be, you know, a good, happy person. Yeah, right. that makes sense. Right. Right. So should so, we go down the list that I know that I have? Yeah, so tell us your first one. Well, the first one that I circled was picky, and I would counter that by saying, I don't feel that I'm picky. I think that I have a dedication to excellence. Okay. 
So I know I'm not a perfectionist because I make tons and tons of mistakes, uh, but I do care about you know, choosing the right volunteers for the charity or, you know, choosing when I'm designing, I want things to be right or with a garden, et cetera, things like that. Mm -hmm. Or the foods that I eat, I want to have things that are healthy and fresh and not packaged. So I, some people would say I'm picky, but I think it's more I'm dedicated to excellence and whatever I do. Or discriminating or have a... Discriminating, that's a great word. Mm -hmm. I like that word. I'm going to write that one down, discriminating. And what's next on your list there? Next on my list was aggressive, and I switched that immediately to assertive mm -hmm. because I, I feel that um, in my past I might have been even more aggressive, you know, because I, I get enthusiastic, I'm passionate, I really want things to move forward, and I, and I push. And I push. Now, if I was a man, aggressive would probably be fine. But as a woman, it means, you know, you're a witch with a B. Right. So I'm just going to change that word to assertive, which means when I really want something, I go for it, but I do try to do everything with integrity. Right. Is and that I, a good I, I would also add that you're a leader. That's yes. part of That you take action. That's right. Yeah. A leader and taking action. Right. And those are things that nothing ever gets done without taking action. Absolutely. So that's important. Okay, what's next on loner. your list? Loner. Loner. Now, I like this one because I, I think loner, this is important for my soul because I, in reality I am a very gregarious, outgoing person, and most people don't see that loner side of me. So I, if I, I haven't ever been called a loner, but I do call myself a loner, but I say that with the utmost respect because in order for me to recharge, I need to be alone, mm -hmm. but that's different than being, being lonely. Mm -hmm. I just need my downtime so that I can recharge my batteries. Mm -hmm. So that's balanced or spiritual it's, or dreaming time. or, yes, or all of those things, and, I, and of, I think that being balanced is probably the most important mm -hmm. um, of the words that we've just um, used there because everybody can be everybody needs some alone time no matter what you whatever you say people who don't take a time to be introspective and to find that spiritual side of them they they get stuck don't you think libby in Absolutely. the same place and they get in a they go get in a circle they're just kind of going round and round mhm mm so obviously you can go through the entire list and you can reframe all of those negatives as positives and the goal is not that you're going to deny the truth uh, but that you're going to really look at it with a more positive framework or flavor to it and then start living up to that so that when you feel like you're being picky, are you being overly obsessive or picky about details, or is it that you are dedicated to excellence, that you are discriminating and aesthetic in your taste? So that you're always that you've got a you've got a spectrum of you know what the negative is if someone were going to slap that negative label on you but you also know what the upside is and that you're always living up to the higher level the more positive theme. And whenever you turn things to a positive, your life gets better because when you use this this um, technique of naming it, claiming it, and reframing it, then when you turn it over, you're not, again, you're not going to see the little fat girl in the mirror that everybody called you, even though that you weren't. You will now see the beautiful person that you, you know, that you are. Mm -hmm. So it's so important to be positive. We, positive people live longer than negative people, and more gets accomplished in life. Absolutely. And I've got a, a, a much longer, more detailed description of this exercise 
and traveling hopefully. So if anybody wants to do it, they can really work through these details and see how they've allowed these labels to affect their actions. Well, and they do. When You know, unfortunately, we label people, and when we do get labeled, we live up to that expectation. Mm-hmm. So it's so much better if we can see people as the great people they are instead of giving them a label. So go to Libby's website at www.libbygill.com. Dot com, and you can contact her for more information not only about what she does, but also to get a list of, um, of the other labels that can improve your uh, life and, and you can change your things around as well. Uh, Libby, um, how, how are you? Oh, yes, we should probably sum recap up what these? we're doing. Yeah, why don't you recap these three success steps? Yeah, I steps. think that this is important to recap it. So your first success step was commit to lightening up. Right. Just look at what you're doing and make a conscious decision to unload. And then the second one is don't use your baggage of the past to be make an excuse for what you're doing right now in the present. So it's absolutely critical that you let go. That That is a critical thing. Right. And then the third one is to reframe anything that's negative in your life into a positive. And then, exactly, and then start living up to it. Start being a, not a control freak, but a leader. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. I'm going to change all of my little labels there, Just, and I'm glad that you bring that to the forefront of our attention, because so often we buy into these labels, and that's just crazy. That is not, it's, that's a crazy thing to do. So I wanted to uh, find out about, on your own personal level, Libby, how you are living up to some of the resolutions and some of the goals that you've been going to. Well, right. We've talked about being accountability buddies on the air and also being a partner in everybody's success out there who's listening to us. So I think it's important that we check in. And since both of us are, are, are really looking at our fitness goals because we've got, a, well, we've got a lot that's going on in our lives and we need to keep our energy levels up and we need to stay strong, Mine's, mine's pretty simple. I've pared it down to an easy recipe, and it's, it's working out four times a week, once with weights, once either yoga or dance, and twice aerobic, either on my treadmill or walking on the beach. And I've, so far, this, it's early in the week, but I've been pretty good. I've done two workouts this week. And uh, how about you, Cynthia? Well, that's, real, that's good, and I love the idea of the, of the beach. Well, this has been a more challenging week for me, Libby. Um, I also have, I have dedicated myself to four times a week for 25 minutes a day because I want to strengthen mostly my back, and I'm working with weights, and then I'm also working on an elliptical and then walking and, I, and you know, gardening. But I came down with a flu bug this week that quickly went to bronchitis. Thank oh. God for antibiotics because I don't know where I would be otherwise. And what I found myself doing is beating myself up because I couldn't exercise because every time I tried, I got out of breath and then I felt like I was going to pass out and I got sicker. So what I learned this week is that when you're having, um, there are going to be times when you're going to have to be kind to yourself. So I just decided to heal myself, get well, drink lots of tea and eat healthy and, you know, take my antibiotics, get this bug rid of, and then get back to my exercise program. So I'm happy to report that I did do my 25 minutes this morning. Good. Well, clearly your body was trying to tell you something, and that was that rest was more important than exercise at the moment. And I think that's the message, and I think that's the message I'd like to give to our audience, too, is that as much as we want to stick to our goals and resolutions is that sometimes we just have to say rest. 
Well, we just talked about handling life's hiccups, and you just got a little case of the hiccups there. I did. Well, thank you, Libby, and and thanks for our uh, session last week, and that's why I was able to handle them. Well, uh, we want to give out Libby's website again for expert coaching. As you can tell, she's phenomenal. Go to www.libbygill.com. You can get more information there. And I want to leave you with a quote from Harriet Beecher Stowe. It's when you get into a tight place and everything goes against you. Never give up, for that's just the time that the tide is going to turn. And that's what we're all about, right, Success Sister? Absolutely. Here on the Coaching Corner, you're listening to Cynthia Bryan. And Libby Gill. And this has been the Coaching Corner on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Stand by. We're going to have the Be the Star You Are essay winners coming right up. This business of show business is calling out to me. World Talk Radio. Never give up, never give in. The ones who will work. The winners in the Be the Star You Are National Essay Contest coming right up on Star Style Be the Star You Are with Cynthia Bryan. Everything give it your Mary Hart, and this is AWRT Empowering America. Born in 1906 in Missouri, Frida grew up cleaning houses for wealthy white families. At 13, she began performing across the country with the Dixie Steppers. When the troops split up, Frida tried to become a chorus girl, but was rejected for being too thin and too dark. The turning point in her career came when she traveled to Paris for a new onstage review. Frida became an overnight sensation. During World War II, Frida's travels entertaining troops enabled her to work undercover for the French Resistance, smuggling secret messages in her sheet music. Frida returned home during the 1950s and 60s, and she actively engaged in the political battle against segregation. Frida Josephine Baker died in Paris in 1975. Empowering America is brought to you by the Foundation of American Women in Radio and Television and is made possible by Walmart, committed to providing an environment that supports its associates in their professional and personal lives. Our people make the difference. Information at walmartstores.com. Listen, the world is talking. World Talk Radio. Be the star you are with me, Cynthia Bryan, your personal growth expert, and thanks for staying with us. Well, as part of the mission to increase literacy, Be the Star You Are charity sponsors an annual national essay contest, and this year we have a tie for the grand prize, and our winners are heralding from both coasts. This year, our sponsor was the American Freedom Group from the state of Washington. Uh, We're very grateful to your sponsorship, so thanks so much for doing it. And our first guest that we're going to introduce to you, who's going to be reading her winning essay, is from Pennsylvania. She's a teacher, a writer, and a certified Reiki master. And her recent works have included Chicken Soup for the Latino Soul and Summer Shorts. And her, the name of her essay was called Touching Joy. Let's introduce you to Sylvia DeSantis. Welcome to Be the Star You Are. Hi, Cynthia. 
Well, congratulations on being a winner. Thank you so much. It's an honor. Isn't it so much fun when you get awarded for your writing because you're doing it for the passion? It really is. It's an incredible honor just to be recognized, especially by um, someone who's so involved in literacy when you've been working. I'm a teacher, and I've worked for literacy for so long. It really is a tremendous honor. Yeah, well, thank you, Sylvia. You know, that's one of the things that you had said is that um, being a teacher, and you work with teens in jail, I understand. I do. And that must be very challenging. It's, um, it's a really interesting project that actually came about between um, two websites. One is a writer's website called Funds for Writers, and one is a teen website called Absence Muse. And they got together, and they put together a program for young adults aged 13 to 22. And I'm working in um, a particular sort of piece of the program that's specifically for incarcerated teenagers, and it's incredibly satisfying. Well, and are you finding, because we work with juvenile halls, as you know a lot here at Be The Star You Are, and we find um, a very high illiteracy rate with these children. And are you finding the same thing? Um, You know, it's really, yes. It's a huge challenge because I work very closely with um, a librarian at the San Bernardino Court School, uh, Jane Gutman, and she just wrote an article recently about some of the students that she encounters daily in her work in the court system. And some of these kids have never even owned a book, which is, you know, sort of not even fathomable. Well, you know, that, I'm glad that you said that because that's exactly one of the things that we have found. And when people say, why do we keep doing this? We have found that not only when we give books, because we give books for free to juvenile halls and to all these different groups and needs of hope and inspiration, is that the response we get is not only is this their first gift, but it's the first book they've ever owned in their sure. whole life. Sure. And they can't believe that this book is for me. So that's really pretty exciting when that happens. But it's also very sad at the same time. Um, yeah, it's it's really interesting because these students, right now I'm working with a young woman, and um, there's so much passion and so much frustration as well, of course, because mm-hmm. she's incarcerated. But um, there's a real dedication and there's a real desire. There's a real desire to sort of get her voice heard, which I think is sort of a first step in self-acceptance, too. So it's very engaging work. It's yeah, it's important it's in, because we have to get them to self-esteem. Well, I want you to read your uh, story, your essay, which is called Touching Joy because I know it's going to touch the hearts of our listeners. So if you're ready, please go ahead and read your story. Okay, thank you. It's so wonderful when I get to hear it in the author's voice. <laughs> you know, I think thank everyone you. appreciates that. Touching Joy. The pizza scalds the inside of my mouth. Mom stares at her piece thoughtfully and then begins to eat it the way she always does, cutting it with a knife and fork. For a second, I consider teasing her, but her eyes look too tired for that tonight. So we eat in silence, piles of books waiting to be shelved all around us. This strong, sweet memory overwhelms me as I drive by the library near my childhood home. The library, a lovely 1903 farmhouse, did more than hold books. It helped me find my own story. I'm sitting with my mother in the back while she takes her dinner break. I've begun to meet Mom after school in the library where she works, and the strong, silent presence of so many books in one place nudges something inside me. The building's gentle aura suggests a quietly drawn breath. Spending time here the month after my older sister has died, and right before my parents' impending divorce, brings an enormous sense of relief that comes from being around so much quiet knowledge, so much peace and calm. Everything here feels different than our rage-filled home. Even at my age, I know the word. 
sanctuary. Everything within the sacred space brings me joy. The crinkly plastic coating on the book jackets, the papery smell of the library's hushed air, the bumpy, thick volumes waiting to be opened. The space grants me physical, emotional, and spiritual sanity, a reprieve from a house boiling over with pain. I spend whole evenings greedily browsing titles, deciding which to check out, forgetting for a time who I am. Once home, I secret myself away into warm corners with a snack to spend time inside another girl's world. I consume these stories with an intense hunger and always feel at a deep and profound level that, although the careful arrangement of words brings me great satisfaction, the joy resides not in the books themselves, but instead flows beneath the bridges created by these stories. Inhabiting the pages of a story replicates the safety of being inside the quiet library building. Both states of being, though fleeting and temporary, feel glorious, precious. Libraries still, in all their forms, bring me peace. Books carry me, catch me, show me the way. While the stories often fall short of reality, no one can make Dad stop hitting, nothing will bring back my sister. I adore the act of reading. The joy in reading a book I have chosen for myself lifts me to a higher plane, as it does still. That night, as my mother sat with me, a scared 12-year-old, I felt a safe joy surrounded by all the smells of worn leather and old paper, surrounded by my mom. I remember it clearly like a sharp, colorful dream. Mom looks at me lovingly, tired but content, the books a paper fortress around us. And I feel sure, right in this moment, that we will be safe, happy, and whole again, that Mom and I are touching joy together as we weather our storm. That is so beautiful, Sylvia. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much for reading it. And, you know, I just want to applaud you because you have uh, written many stories and won many awards, and people can go and visit your website where you have um, some more of your publications and tell a little bit more of things that are in the works. So that is, do you want to give the website Sylvia DeSantis? Sure. It's www.sylviamdesantis.com www.sylviamdesantis.com and the DeSantis is D-E-S-A-N-T-I-S Well, congratulations, Sylvia. It's fantastic. Um, What a wonderful essay. And keep writing. It looks like that you have many, many uh, irons in the fire and I applaud your work that you're doing with the young people and uh, with the jails and with your teaching. You obviously have uh, a deep soul and a heart for helping others. Thank you. I appreciate that so much, Cynthia. Well, thank you for being on the show. And again, Sylvia DeSantis, sylviamdesantis.com. Check out her website. I love the photo that she has on it of the water and the beach. It's great. (laughs) Thanks, Sylvia, for being a guest on Star Style. Be the star you are. Thank you. Our next uh, grand prize winner is from the West Coast. So we have the East Coast. Now we have the West Coast. And she is from Seattle, Washington, and her name is Nancy Wick. She is a writer and an editor at the University of Washington in Seattle. She's been a journalist for over 30 years, and in her winning essay, which is called Audacity, she writes about how she overcame a personal struggle through her positive thinking and believing in herself. Welcome, Nancy, to Be the Star You Are. Hi. Uh, Congratulations on winning in the Be The Star You Are essay contest. 
Thank you. I loved, uh, well, you're going to read your essay to us, but I love in your bio where you talk about that you are still a journalist after all these years uh, without your journalism degree. That's right. And I thought that's a great role model for other people to realize that we don't have to have a degree in something in order to be successful in it. And it's really more about following your passion. Yeah, it really is. Do you feel that? I do. Yes, yes, yes. Well, tell us just before you read your essay, give us a little bit of background on yourself and and the work that you are doing uh, there in Washington. Well, um, I work for, I do the faculty staff newspaper for the University of Washington, and it's um, it's like filling all the roles at a newspaper. So you do the interviewing, and you do the writing, and you do editing, and you lay out the paper, and you know, post to the web, and the whole thing. We have about uh, 35,000 people who receive our publication. That's incredible, isn't it? I mean, did you think that when you first got, took your first job, that this is where you would end up and that you would be wearing all the hats and have the ability to do all of this for a whole newspaper? Oh, no, I could not possibly have foreseen what would happen in the field and what would happen to me at that time. Yeah, and isn't that what life is like, you know? It's like that, Nancy, is that if we had a crystal ball, we may not take that road. So it's kind of fun to jump in there with both feet and just say, I can do it. Yeah, that's true. Well, with that, with that I can do it personality thought, let's hear Nancy Wick reading her winning essay, Audacity. Audacity. The newspaper editor gestured to a stack of papers on his desk, maybe 12 inches high. These are resumes, he said, all from people who have a journalism degree. Why should I hire you when I could hire them? I recoiled as if he'd slapped me, tears I was ashamed of filling my eyes. What could I say? Because I want the job very badly? That would sound like begging. Because I know I can do it, degree or no degree? That would sound arrogant. Aloud, I said, I have some writing samples I could show you. He smiled, seeing this as a way to get rid of me. Okay, leave them with me, and I'll let you know if I'm interested. He stood up. I stood, too, handed him the samples, said thank you, and turned to go. By the time I got to my car, the tears I choked back were spilling over. I must have been crazy, I said to myself, to think I could get a job in journalism without a degree or without the right degree. I had been on my high school newspaper staff, had written for the college newspaper too, but that didn't mean much when I had no professional experience and my degree was in speech and drama. Once again, I cursed myself for chickening out. I had been accepted to the journalism school but didn't go because I was intimidated by the audacity it required to call strangers and demand they answer my questions. I was reduced to jelly at the very thought of it. Now here I was, calling strangers as I tried to get a job. Back in my apartment, I contemplated my situation. It had been nearly a year since I quit the job I had taken because my degree was so impractical. I was going to get a writing job or nothing, I told myself. That was what I wanted to do with my life. Since then, I'd worked temporary jobs to pay the rent and applied for the kinds of jobs I wanted. I'd had a few nibbles, but mostly rejection. I needed to do something different. Then I had had an idea. When I'd met the other newspaper editor in town, he had been kinder than this one. He'd looked at my writing samples, said he'd consider me. But that was a month ago, and I hadn't heard from him. I would invite him to speak to a group I belonged to. If he said yes, 
That would give me a legitimate excuse to see him and talk to him again. I dried my tears and took a deep breath, then dialed the phone before I could change my mind. He said yes to the speech, and when he came, I greeted him warmly. Are you still looking for a job, he asked. I told him I was and mentioned a few interviews I'd had. Well, he said, I read your clips, and you do know how to write. I'm sure you'll find something. A few weeks later, his managing editor called me. We have a routine job doing the TV schedules and a little Q&A column, he said. Would you be interested? Of course I'd be interested. From my first day in the newsroom, I knew I had found my calling. Six months later, I had moved to the copy desk, and I later became a reporter and columnist. Two things had given me what I wanted, the ability to put words on paper and the audacity to call a stranger. Oh, that's so great. I just, you know, I, I congratulations, uh, Nancy. And I wanted to ask you, now that you're in the position of doing your newspaper, do you have people come in that want to work for you or write stories and, and you get to see yourself in that position again? Well, sometimes, yeah. More often it's students wanting me to, you know, give them a chance to write, and I try to do that whenever I can. That's what I was wondering. Do you, you know, do you find yourself, you know, offering, being in that same place that you were? Is you really wanted a chance to show your writing, and obviously you could write. So, you, but having the audacity is something that you need for every job, no matter what it is in life. It's true. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I think there is no job at which you can succeed unless you're willing to call up people you don't know and ask for things. It mm-hmm. just happens to be one of those skills we all need. And it's probably now you're probably doing it just as much as ever. Oh, yes. It's so in the reality, I loved it that you almost went to, you were going to major in journalism, but you didn't want to call up people, and now you have a whole career in journalism That's where you true. still have to call up people. <laughs> yes, so, I kind of found out that that was universal, and so, you know, I, as soon as I sat down in that newsroom, I knew that's where I belong. Yes, exactly, exactly. Well, tell us a little bit more um, about what else you're doing up there in Washington. Um, do you have a website? I didn't notice one in your entry that you wanted anybody to look at, or can people go to the website of the university, perhaps? Oh, sure. They can go to the website of the university. Um, that's www.washington.edu. And then if you um, if you click on um, the newspaper, you'll you can find it that then way. Then they can find the things that you're writing about. Yes, the newspaper is called University Week. University Week. Okay, mm-hmm. wonderful. Well, Nancy, thank you. Congratulations once again for being a winner. Keep entering these kinds of essay contests. You were obviously a very talented journalist, and I'm glad that you had the audacity to call strangers. Okay. <laughs> You've been listening to Cynthia Bryan on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, and you just heard the winning essays in the Be the Star You Are National Essay Contest from Sylvia DeSantis and Nancy Wick. Stay with us. We've got a great guest coming back on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Back in a moment. Calling out to me This business of show business World Talk Radio Are you ready to lead a conscious chick lifestyle? Well, Kimberly Wilson joins us next with her book, Hip 
Tranquil Chick on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with Cynthia Bryan. Don't go away. Looking for answers to those uncommon questions? Looking for a way to heal? Looking for spiritual guidance? Come visit www.angelstoguideyou.com. We are all blessed with spiritual helpers, spiritual gifts, and spiritual healing. Get in touch with your spirit. Get answers. Get healing. www.angelstoguideyou.com. Remember, you're not alone. angelstoguideyou.com. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Are you tapped into women businesses? As women-owned firms continue to outpace the market, here are a few characteristics of women-owned businesses which have been identified by the National Foundation for Women Business Owners that could help you partner and collaborate with women. Women entrepreneurs place more value on relationships and information than men do. Women are more likely to seek out and help others and to ask questions. Women are more proactive to embracing new technology. Women value vendor support and service while making decisions. And although women still may have lower credit, they have more access to capital. Women are less likely to sell to small corporations and 42% sell to government and large corporations. Remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan from Star Style with another business bite. You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. a 501c3 charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth at risk with improved literacy and positive media such as this radio show. For more information on how you can get involved or make a contribution, please go to bethestarur.org. Keep our radio show on the air. Make a donation today, bethestarur.org. And don't forget to be a leader. You must be a reader. Well, when Kimberly Wilson moved to Washington, D.C., she literally walked the streets inviting strangers to practice yoga with her in her living room. Kimberly nurtured their bodies, their minds, and their spirits, and soon her living room was too small for these strangers who became kindred spirits, and now she operates two award-winning yoga studios, Tranquil Space, as well as designs and markets her own line of clothing. Her book is very, very cool, and it's called Hip Tranquil Chick, and it is a guide to life on and off the yoga mat. Welcome, Kimberly, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Thank you very much. Well, let's start. I, I, mean, I kept thinking when I was reading your book, you know, I should be going, oh, mm, mm. <laughs> This is really a cool book because obviously you have such a great sense of humor and a cool way of living your life. Well, why don't you start by describing to us what your meaning for being hip and tranquil um, as well as being a chick is. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, hip is, it's, it is a, it's an interesting juxtaposition of words that I kind of threw together. And hip is kind of like the girl who loves sex in the city, who loves fun things, who loves being a girl, basically. And um, so the tranquil is your substance behind the style. So it shows that you're not just into clothes or fashions or feeling good or looking good. You go a little deeper, actually quite a bit deeper, as you probably noticed throughout the book. 
And then chick is basically just about your energy. I love the word chick because... Um, I do, too, Kimberly. I loved it when I saw the chick. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I have to interrupt for a second. I was called slick chick when I was young. Um, the, the little boys would call me slick chick when I was a high school cheerleader, and the you know the little kids would come because I raised chickens. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's but so they thought funny. they had this idea of being, you know, slick chick, and so I thought, oh, this is so cute that I can now be a hip slick chick. <laughs> Absolutely a hip slick chick. Very good. Yeah, and you know, chick, like, I have a grandmother who's like 94, and I still, I think of her as a chick. She's somebody who exudes a lot of energy. And so that's kind of what the hip tranquil chick whole phenomenon's about. And well, and it's a, someone who has a lot of fun. I think you know that's what uh, what I got from your book. One of the things that I immediately you state in your book, and you really personalize the yoga practice because you talk about yoga being a real personal experience. And before people decide to get into yoga, they need to understand why they're going to do it. Are they doing it to tighten their behind? Are they wanting just to have you know a day out with their girlfriends? Are they wanting to increase flexibility? What is really Really behind the yoga that's important? You know, that's a great question, and that's why in Personalized Practice, that first chapter, which I feel is the foundation for the book, I encourage women to really explore what brings them to the mat and to not judge it because, you know, if you're showing up in yoga class just because you want a tight bum, well, I think that's fabulous. At least it gets you on the mat. It allows you to get in tune with your body and to explore it, you know, in ways that a lot of us aren't used to. You know, a lot of us, like, maybe type A's and we're used to running or you're used to running from aerobics class to aerobics class. And in yoga, you're going to be forced to sit and be with yourself. So I think any reason you approach the yoga mat, you deserve kudos for. And then at some point, it may evolve into more than a tight bum, and that'll just be a nice ancillary piece of your practice. I really like uh, the way you've outlined your book, the, the different things that you have in it. You have a tranquil tip, um, and many tranquil tips in, in all the different chapters, which I found really giving some depth um, to the practice of yoga and to why you are there, as well as you have your own work, which was a very clever way of things that you can do on your own at home or things that can enhance your, your, your style and your practice and becoming a hip, tranquil uh, chick. So I wanted to talk about some of your tranquil tips because everyone can use a tranquil tip. And um, so let's talk about breathing first because a lot of people, when they think about yoga, Kimberly, they think that yoga is just about breathing. Right. Yeah, breathing or stretching. Mm-hmm. And stretching, that's right. Stretching yeah. is the other thing. And that's not, it really is a lifestyle. It is. Absolutely, and that's like, you know, the book, it's like, how can you carry yoga into your finances or your relationships or your career? And, um, but you know, the fundamentals of breathing that you brought up is key, absolutely key. Oh, because if you're not breathing correctly, you're not going to be doing some of the yoga correctly. Absolutely, and you know, the great thing about breathing is it helps you in challenging situations. So you're about to go in and discuss with your partner on a little more, you know, um, sharing of responsibilities in the home, or you're going to go and ask for a raise or a more flexible work schedule. Oh, yeah, and everybody's talk. listening to that one. I'm going to go ask for a raise, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, breathe uh, throughout your book, you've sprinkled wonderful quotes, and since we're speaking of breathing, the one that I had circled here is, 
When you inhale, you are taking the strength from God, and when you exhale, it represents the service you are giving to the world. Isn't Which that I thought that was just a beautiful quote that was from uh, a Vengar that did that. But what a great analogy of breathing in so that you're breathing in the God spirit, and then when you're exhaling, you're giving out your energy out to the world so that you can, you can jumpstart your own life and help other people. Right. And speaking about um, helping other people, you are very philanthropic, and that's a part of what you are doing. You have uh, started your own nonprofit, which gives back to the community. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Sure thing. We um, launched it July of 06, so it's still in the beginning stages, but it's so exciting to me. It's called the Tranquil Space Foundation, and um, basically we're targeting girls 9th through 12th grade, and we've put together curriculum that focuses on yoga, creativity, and leadership. Mm-hmm. And then we're looking for programs to pilot it in, in D.C. And my hope with this is to take it national so it's something where we could train people and they could go and kind of share this message with girls. So it's, you know, girls kind of helping them uncover their inner voice at that age when you're really right for one person to believe in you or give you the tools and you to believe that you can really do anything. That's my vision with the Tranquil Space Foundation. And and we need to have we need to be able to give girls the opportunity to be leaders and to let them know that they can reach for the top, you know, reach for the stars and that they can land on them. Absolutely. You uh, you were talking earlier about how taking yoga into other parts of your life and you also talk about the importance of journaling and how to write and when to write and how it really can nurture your soul. And I am such a proponent of journaling because I think that we get really closer to who we are when we keep, you know, call it a diary or the journal, whatever it is, but we can get closer to what we need, want, and can give back in the world. So you had a few simple tips and tricks, you called it, to journal writing. Yes. So the first thing on how to write is you were talking about you like a spiral-bound hardcover journal. Yes, I do. I do. You know why? Because I like to be able to carry it around with me. And if you carry it around and it's hardback, it's great because then it doesn't get messed up with everything else in your handbag. But also the spiral-bound is great because then you're not having to hold down a certain page. You know, to keep it from flipping over. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's a, that's a really good thing. I mean, they're minor things, but, you know, they just make writing a little bit more pleasant. And, um, you know, it is key um, with the journal writing is to get the tools that you need that make it a little more fun. And if you pick up just like a little tiny spiral-bound um, thing that you get maybe at uh, a local drugstore, it may not be as exciting for you as if you went to Borders and got, like, some people may really thrive on, say, a leather-bound one, you know, something that's even a little more fancy. And we just all have to figure out what works for us so to get the right tools. But the bottom line is what you're saying is write it down. Then get write into the habit down. of putting some, you know, words on paper, and it doesn't have to... It doesn't have to necessarily flow, but we get a better look at who we are, a more of a connection to ourselves when we do that. Yes, definitely. And it's interesting, you know, you'll see patterns that come up or you'll get tired of writing the same thing and realizing, gosh, all I'm doing is complaining. What can I do about this to make changes? Or why do I continue repeating the same pattern in different relationships? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you won't be able to be able to track it. It's accountability. Well, again, I want to get back. You were talking about so let's take yoga into the financial world, and you were you talk about professional prosperity and how to carve 
your career path and how to get what you want and how yoga can help. So what would be some tips of bringing yoga into our career and our business life? Well, you know, with career, as a as an entrepreneur myself, I find that um, bringing the yoga in is very key. And one way that we do that is just an overall sense of mindfulness. You know, in the book I talk about leading a mindfully extravagant life. So, you know, with mindfulness, it's um, one of those things that great, that's great to bring in with regard to your business, such as, you know, ask, asking yourself, when I wake up in the morning, am I excited to go in? Is this the life I imagined for myself? Is this what I want? And then figuring out if it's not quite quite what you want and you're not no longer pushing your edge just something I encourage in the practice of yoga. It's that point of sensation where you're not in pain, but you're not stagnant either. Mm-hmm. And, and you're just too comfortable. Yeah, you're just, just too comfortable, comfortable, which isn't growing. Right, you're not growing and it doesn't mean you necessarily have to leave that job. You could just maybe ask for a new assignment or, you know, to be part of a different team or to take on a new responsibility. So that's where I, f- I feel that um, yoga really comes into our profession to just make sure that we continue growing and moving in the direction of, of is this really what I wanted? You know, am I looking forward to retirement? I'm in my mid- mid-20s. You know, but then it's um, probably a, a good thing to reflect on and see where you could make some changes. Well, I like the way that you've interwoven even the language of yoga when you talk about business or career where you say get centered. And what you mean by that is, you know, do your market research. Go to meetings, uh, moonlight, go get some training to go to seminars and then set your intention and never lose sight of what it is you want to do. And then you talk about warming up. So get moving. In other words, don't sit on the couch. Get out there and do something. And then being in flow and winding down and, of course, uh, relaxing so that you can always uh, stay ahead in your job by resting and finding, you know, finding your core. Um, connecting. I want to just talk about quickly how you can connect with other people through yoga by throwing yoga parties and having ideas. You have some fun, you call them festive fet ideas in your book. Really fun things on just how to get together. Oh, yeah, yeah, because, you know, it's so funny. Those of us who live in larger cities, I feel like it's it's almost harder to meet people, yet you're surrounded by them. It's kind of ironic. And so I put together some ideas on just simple things like celebratory parties. You know, we all know about birthdays and baby showers, but why not do an open house or a promotion or a bon voyage? I'm going to France for a few days. Let's all get together and have a party and let me know what you want me to pick up for you. You know, something that's just a little more fun and outside the box or even just getting your girlfriends together and having those slumber parties that we used to have that were so fun way back when where you just kind of come over and comfortable clothing, and we watch some fun, girly movies. You, well, know, you know, it's we more fun even as an adult. Just recently, I did a pajama party for, you know, six couples. We all came in our bathrobes, and then we had a very wonderful dinner, and we watched movies, and we had more fun. It was like being kids again. Oh, well, yeah. Kimberly, this is a wonderful lifestyle book. I like your line, lead a mindfully extravagant life. The name of the book is Hip, Hip Tranquil Chick. Hip Tranquil Chick. It's a guide to life on and off the yoga mat, and it really is a lifestyle book. Kimberly Wilson, her website is hiptranquilchick.com.
com. Kimberly, you are a great guest and such a fun book, and congratulations on your success in your business. And mostly, I wish you great success with your foundation and helping the girls. It sounds like what you're doing is just amazing. Thank you so much. I well, really thank appreciate Thank you for being it. with us. You have been listening to Cynthia Bryan on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. That was Kimberly Wilson, Hip Tranquil Trick. When you go out into the world today, may there be peace within you. May you trust your highest power that you're exactly where you want to be. And may you use the gifts you've received and pass on the love that's been given to you. My aim is to encourage, inspire, inform, and motivate. Cherish your past, dream of the future, and celebrate every moment of your life. For more information about Star Style, go to star-style.com. And until we celebrate next week, this is Cynthia Bryan thanking you and encouraging you. Be the star you are. This sad voice keeps calling you. The choice is in your heart. Then this business. I show.